the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we see every day, every hour practically, the need for people to fulfill the obligations of that most important political office. If we want to keep things like freedom, representative democracy, a country, little things like that. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I am joined by my co-host, Agnes Giboney, who um, just can't, you know, had to give up a Fox News appearance. Because, she, you know, as soon as she had the opportunity to be on Unite IE Radio, she said, you know, thanks, guys, at Fox. I'll, you know, I, I, have a more important, I have a more important gig to get to. So we appreciate Agnes being here. And uh, if you don't know Agnes, uh, her... her uh, uh, passage to political activism was quite involuntary when her son was murdered by a previously deported illegal alien, and she's dedicated herself to trying to prevent other Americans and American families from suffering the same fate. And we're going to jump right into our guest because we've got so much to dive into in so little time to do it. Ed Ring has been on our show before. He is a co-founder of the California Policy Center. You can find them at CaliforniaPolicyCenter.org. And he writes on a wide variety of subjects. He's one of my favorite writers, um, both at American Greatness and at California Globe. So we'll check out his articles there. And we're going to have two of them we want to dive into today. Um, his endorsement comes from the leftist organization Sourcewatch, which says of the California Policy Center, <laughs> that is a right-wing pressure group based in California, founded in 2010. Uh, it's a state affiliate of the $83 million right-wing state policy network, a web of state pressure groups that uh, denote themselves as think tanks and drive a right-wing agenda in the state houses nationwide. You can't get higher praise than that, Ed. Yeah, SourceWatch is a very good place to uh, find the good guys. All right, so the first article, we've got two articles. One is, we're going to get to in our next segment, who will support the California populace from California Globe. And this first one just has so much stuff and so many different issues in it with 700,000 excess deaths. deaths. What's next for America? And you start off by assuming that the CDC... Numbers that oh, from March to March or April to April, there were 700,000 more deaths than would normally be expected in the United States. And then you proceed to go from there. I guess the first question is, these days, can we even trust total death numbers? Well, that's a good question nowadays. And the reason that I used total death numbers was because I at least then would be able to avoid the questions of what was the reason for the death. You know, when when you, when you look at COVID death statistics, the, what you hear immediately is it was, uh, you know, the flu death dropped to zero and everything was called a COVID death. And we avoid any of those kinds of discussions simply by looking at deaths from all causes. It's obviously less likely <laughs> that those numbers are going to be cooked. I personally don't think they they would do that, but I can understand with the way that there is so much mistrust in our institutions nowadays, uh, with good reason, why someone might think that they did. But I made the assumption, and I think it's a reasonable assumption, that the CDC wouldn't uh, wouldn't the books, so to speak, when it comes to deaths from all causes. They get weekly uh, reports. I downloaded them uh, for over a year. Uh, it takes about eight weeks to get all the data in. We had about six weeks of data when I updated this, which means that that number, 701,000, may go up a little. But it is uh, a April 2020 through March 2021, 12-month period, uh, that shows uh, that there were three and a half million people who died in America 
uh, and over the last uh, six years prior to that, for the same 12-month period, April through March, uh, the average, adjusting for population growth, was only 2.8 million. And that's a big difference uh, worth acknowledging. It's about 25% above the average. It is, which is not an anomaly. I, you know, I you'd see comments saying things like, well, a lot of boomers are dying. Yes, but a lot of boomers were dying last year and the year before that. You know, something else happened. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, you say in here that the uh, America's legacy media, the online communication monopolies, and the medical establishment cannot be trusted. Why is that? Isn't that sad? I mean, I'd like to think we can trust them on a lot of the fundamentals, and I think we probably can. But unfortunately, we've learned that when it takes to anything, when it comes to anything that's uh, political, you have to take what you learned from these institutions with a grain of salt, and that's a tragedy. That, but it's been borne out by evidence. Do we have to talk about the media? I mean, it's very clear just from watching over the past year, that they'll represent things that if you watch the actual press conference or listen to the speech or read the transcript or saw the rally, and then you watch the report, they're obviously being extremely biased and selective and sometimes take things out of context. And, you know, if they're not just flat out lying, they might as well be. I don't think we need to debate whether or not the media can be trusted. The medical establishment, that's more problematic. Uh, but again, the thing that caused me to have the most doubt about our medical establishment was the fact that they suppressed any discussion of early stage therapy for COVID. Why did they do that? And I still don't understand the answer. You know, as I point out in the article, it's not... Uh, you're not a conspiracy theorist to wonder who's running all of this stuff. You're only a conspiracy theorist if you think you have the answer. Uh, I certainly don't. You know, I, I don't know who runs the world. Maybe it is truly a chaotic, you know, mix mash of cultures and tribes and corporations, and they're all competing, and it's just a chaotic system. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's all there is to it. But what the medical establishment did in terms of not uh, recommending or or even permitting discussion of ways to treat COVID in the early stages of the disease, I found very unsettling. I, 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 and, I, and it makes me question whether they can be trusted or not. Ed, I have a question. Um, you said that uh, the, the medical... Uh, uh, the medical group suppressed uh, treatment. Do you think the hydroxychloroquine, uh, chloroquine, why wasn't it authorized when there were so many reports that the medication did work and it helped uh, many, many patients and the media and everyone was completely, Dr. Fauci was completely against it. Why do you think that is? Well, there's two answers, or I should say there's two categories of answers. Uh, you know, on one hand, they didn't want people to, you know, I guess the charitable answer, and I'm sure there's some truth to this, they, they didn't want people to uh, believe in that to the point where they didn't exercise caution at all. You know, it is uh, an infectious disease. And if people went out and got uh, hydroxychloroquine and zinc and started mixing up around with impunity, uh, there was a risk. We, you know, we didn't understand. We understood much less. We still don't understand very much about uh, the coronavirus, but we understood even less a year ago. Uh, we know now, and probably a lot of them knew then, that it's not uh, something that came from nature. So it was something that had to be treated with extraordinary caution because it wasn't going to behave necessarily the way we're accustomed to seeing naturally occurring viruses behave. So they were being very cautious. They probably didn't want the whole hydroxychloroquine supply in the world uh, used up when people who need it, you know, for their other conditions, such as lupus, wouldn't be able to get it anymore. So I suppose there are some good reasons why they suppressed it, but the degree to which they suppressed it and the degree to which they uh, discredited 
reputable studies and discouraged additional study, uh, you know, where do you draw the line between media malpractice and medical malpractice? You know, to what extent was this driven by a politically motivated media and their influence and the political influence on the medical establishment? And to what extent do you say this was doctors uh, who really had a conscientious objection to trying to uh, promote these therapies? But it wasn't just hydroxychloroquine. Why? I mean, they could have put together treatment protocols that would include things like steroids, to because the inflammation is what has been what made a lot of these cases get so severe. So why wouldn't they put together what they did know, uh, so that people could avoid hospitalization where possible, uh, even not taking into account hydroxychloroquine? To me, you know, and again, I'm I'm a generalist. I'm not an expert on the whole pandemic. I looked at the numbers, obviously. A lot of people died, 25% more deaths in the United States in the last 12 months than in normal years. Something's going on. Uh, you know, to the extent there's a problem with, uh, with the medical establishment, again, I, I don't understand why they couldn't go with something. Even if they couldn't uh, get their arms around hydroxychloroquine as something that they, people should be trying, why didn't they suggest anything? And, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, I think it makes sense if the motivation is political, because now once once Biden's in, well, you know, maybe hydroxychloroquine does offer some offer some benefit. So I think it's political. But I want to. I got to point out the most deaths were in the, the worst in terms of total deaths. The worst month was January 2021. And the only reason it wasn't hyped more, I, hyped, that's a terrible word. The only reason, it, you know, it, we were first, we were adapted to it. Our emergency rooms could handle the, the inflow. Uh, and the other reason, I suppose, is because they weren't trying to get rid of Trump anymore. But if you look at the total deaths, it went up to 90,000 a week mm -hmm. in January. It never broke 80,000 in the worst times of the previous, you know, like April April of 2020, the worst death didn't even break 80,000. It nearly broke 90,000 in January, deaths per week. And we didn't hear nearly the, the, the commotion. So, you know, there was probably some political motivation there. Lives only matter, black, white, or otherwise, to the extent that they serve the interests of the Democrat Party. Absolutely. But I, I would, we do want to have time to get to our second article, but there's one other, there's another ask in this first article about the excess deaths is who really runs things and the concept of economic totalitarianism. Delve into that for a couple of minutes here. Well, that's a mouthful. And, you know, I really was uh, intrigued by an interview I saw uh, with Catherine Austin Fitz. And a lot of people will dismiss her as a crackpot. But if you watch you know, she has a lot of material online, but you have to look hard to find it because she gets thrown off of all of the mainstream platforms. Uh, but she talks about uh, the the five sectors that are working in tandem to create what she describes as a, a new world order where everybody will be digitally identified and tracked. And she talks about the tech industry building clouds, the military doing space development, big pharma developing injections to modify human DNA, the media providing the propaganda, and central bankers engineering a new cryptocurrency. And each of these things taken in isolation are realities that you can ascribe more or less to good motives or bad motives or to a chaos system or a conspiracy, but, but they're happening, and we know that all these things are happening. But as soon as you talk about these things being coordinated, that, that they're working in tandem, uh, you, you become a, a crackpot, supposedly. But it doesn't really, that doesn't answer the question, you know, who is running the world? And, and e even Catherine Austin Fitz doesn't try to answer that question, but she's asking really good questions. She, you know, if you want to try to understand what's going on in the world and where we're headed, Listen to people like Catherine Austin Fitz. You don't have to believe everything she has to say. Maybe she's way off base with some of the things that she's talking about. But I would recommend uh, watching that interview uh, 
just Google Catherine off, or better yet, Bing her and try, or you know, tuck tuck go, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, and listen to some of these ideas she's got. Because if you're trying to get your your mind around where we're headed, uh, you you can't just listen to what you're going to find on the approved platforms. You have to be willing to listen to some of these people that are dismissed as crackpots and take or leave. Uh, you know, the points they're making, but hear them out because it's it's very stimulating and it's very interesting and it might put some of the, what we're seeing happen into context that you hadn't thought of previously. Yeah, she's a, she's a crackpot, but Chris Cuomo has a show on, on CNN. Uh, we need to take a pause here and hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite, i.e. Radio, Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lend needs, both residential and commercial. And by the way, we have a new email address for our show, and we'd like to hear from our listeners, both of them. Uh, so that is at Unite, i.e. Radio at ProtonMail.com. So write us, and we may respond to your emails on the air. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton. My co-host today is Agnes Gibney um, of Fox News fame. She apparently has her own dressing room over there at at Fox News. And we're pleased to have on the line Ed Ring from the uh, California Policy Center. Uh, We missed our first section. He had a great article on American greatness with so much information and ideas in it with 700,000 excess deaths. What's next for America? But we're going to jump to another article. This one's from California Globe. Who will support California's populace? And we've had this tremendous populist insurgence that has qualified this recall. Oh, hopefully we'll see if they cheat enough to keep it off the ballot. But it looks like it's going to be on the ballot to recall Gavin Newsom. And the, the bulk of that was just... Ordinary citizens get who were just PO'd at what's happening in California and went out there in front of the Bass Outlet and the Stater Brothers and whatnot and gathered the signatures to put that on the ballot. So you're afraid, and you start off here as the saying that uh, by conservative populism ascended today in California is about to be squandered by an establishment that lacks the leadership and authenticity to tap into this extraordinary energy. Take it from there. Well, I think that's true. We have, uh, you know, out of nowhere, uh, this recall movement grew, and it it grew because of uh, some widespread, uh, you know, disillusionment by new categories of California voters. All of a sudden, it wasn't just the 6 million Trump voters, which, by the way, is more than any other state, more than Florida, more than Texas, six million Californians voted for Donald Trump, up from four and a half million voters for Donald Trump in 2016. I mean, that's an extraordinary thing right there. But it wasn't just Trump voters, even though they tried to tag this recall effort as being uh, led by Trump voters. It was the Democrats and independents, and it was people from all backgrounds, you know, people uh, of low-income communities, uh, black, brown Asians, whites, they, you know, there was people, you drive by the recall tables on the streets and you'd see, you know, you'd see America, uh, you know, populating those booths. And, and this is a movement that's looking for what to do next. And that's really the point of the article. We have this, uh, you know, multiracial coalition of working class and middle class 
Californians that want things to get better in California. And there are practical uh, bipartisan policies that will make California better. Uh, but the establishment, uh, both the Republican establishment and you know the donors, so a lot of these donors are very independently minded, they're spending their resources on the same traditional battles uh, which, for the most part, they're never going to win. You know, you're in a one-party state. Uh, you might have a handful of battleground districts. Certainly, we want to get back some of the battleground congressional seats because that will make a difference nationally. Uh, but there's there's a losing battle in the legislature. You're never going to see legislation that's going to solve any of these problems in California. The only way you can do it is through ballot initiatives. So what's going to happen to this army? You know, what's going to happen to these, uh, I don't know, five to 10,000 people who are trained signature gatherers? There's volunteer managers who know how to deploy these volunteers, these trained, you know, so you have trained signature gatherers, you have trained managers that can send them out or through the cities. And, and there's hundreds of managers and thousands of signature gatherers, and they're ready to do something but nobody's giving them anything to carry. You know, what is it going to be? Is it going to be school choice? Is it going to be a water bond? Is it going to be something to repeal Prop 47 and Prop 57, which is what's created all the lawlessness on our streets? Are they going to maybe do something to fix CEQA, which is a little bit uh, abstruse, but the California Environmental Quality Act is one of the biggest culprits and the reason that housing is so expensive in California. There's all kinds of practical solutions. Do something about forestry. Why don't we just bring back the timber industry? Let them log on state land again. They used to do that in the, up until the mid-90s. They, they are one quarter, that industry is one quarter the size uh, today that it was in 1990. And as a result, the forests are overgrown. That's why they're burning. And by the way, they not only used to pay the state for the right uh, to thin the forests, but they would maintain the power line corridors, all of the overgrown branches that are causing fires because they're hitting the high voltage lines used to be cleared by the timber companies. They used to maintain the fire roads and the fire breaks on the ridge tops. They used to do that for nothing. And they did it everywhere because they did that in exchange for thinning the forests, which kept the forests healthy. So, you know, these kinds of things could appear on constitutional uh, and statutory ballot initiatives that could go onto the state ballot. And here we are. Uh, we're going to hit a deadline, which is late August, where it will be too late to go through the process of filing a ballot initiative getting it approved for circulation, spending six months going and gathering signatures, then submitting them, which takes a few more months, for verification. That's a 15-month process. And right now, there's not much out there. There's some people working on school choice. God bless them. They might actually put something together uh, that... We are going to. I'm part of that. I'm part of that. And there is going to be a school choice initiative. Yes. Okay, so you, you know that we have one, but why don't we have 10? Why, why aren't, because, it, you know, to get the legal research done, to put something that's properly composed so that it can't be easily destroyed in court or it can't be easily obstructed by bureaucrats that don't want to implement it, you're talking about maybe $10,000. I mean, think about how much money people like, uh, John Cox and Kevin Falconer and Caitlyn Jenner and Doug Osi are going to spend on ads in the next uh, few months. You know, there is going to be tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars spent uh, by Republican candidates in the next three months. Why can't they just, you know, redirect 10,000 here, 10, 15,000 there? hire some attorneys, talk to people in the trade associations, put together some uh, ballot initiatives that would fix all of these problems we just described. Okay, education is one of them. What about law and order? What about extreme environmentalism? What about our uh, water infrastructure? Election integrity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there, it's a big list. And in almost every case, there are solutions that Californians would support 
you know, this isn't a partisan issue. This is a California issue that would attract support from all the voters. Ed, we are so up against a hard break the- here. Um, yours has been so interesting. Can you stay with us for for another segment here and we can delve into this further? Why not? Sure. Thank you. Thank you. And stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this with Ed Ring and with other, other matters after this break. And again, you can reach us here at Unite IE Radio at Unite IE Radio at ProtonMail.com. Let us know what you think. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590 The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank accounts from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I am joined by my co-host this week, uh, Agnes Giboney. Uh And if you don't know Agnes, she is uh, her path to activism was involuntary when her uh, son was murdered by a previously deported illegal alien, and she's dedicated herself to uh, preventing that from happening to other American families. And we are very pleased to have with us this week Ed Ring as a co-founder of the California Policy Center. He uh, writes on so many interesting subjects. He's one of my favorite writers, and you can find his work at both American Greatness and at California Globe. And we were talking in the last segment about his article on California Globe, who will support California's populace, and that there's an agenda the larger theme there was that if the Republican Party wants a future, it has to be the party of the working men and women of California and America. But unfortunately, the leadership and the donors don't seem to understand that. Well, I, I got to wonder if they understand it at all. And it's a I, I think they get so mired in the blocking and tackling of let's get back a seat in the assembly, let's protect the congressional seat. These are important goals, but there has to be a parallel goal, which is how do we put together a strategic vision for voters that gets them excited and offers uh, more imminent solutions and bigger solutions? You know, how do we do something sooner that's going to get uh, Californians opportunities again. How are we going to get the price of housing down? You, they talk about it, but they don't go in and say, all right, we're going to reform the California Environmental Quality Act. We're going to, uh, re- we're going to repeal or, or revise SB 375 that makes it almost impossible for people to build homes outside of existing cities. You know, you can go to every single issue, housing and homeless. Uh, you know, you can talk about law and order, education, energy, water, forest management, public finance, transportation. And in every one of these areas, there are practical solutions. And why isn't, you know, you go to the website of the California Republican Party, and I think it's a 14-page document, single space, that gets marginally updated every two to four years. I, I don't know, and I don't care because all it is is sort of uh, a, a, an agglomeration 
of sentiments that various factions in the party negotiated and said, get this into the platform. It has no practical uh, applicability. There, there's nothing there that they're turning around and saying, all right, we're going to act on this. You know, and here's what we're going to do. If they had 10 or 12 bullet points where they said, all right, we're going to do something about education, on order, homeless, transportation, energy, water, housing, forest management, public crime. You know, if they had a list and, and, and that, there it is. And then they had one or two sentences saying, this is how we're going to fix it. And candidates try to do that. But then go one step further and put together ballot propositions, put together citizens' initiatives, constitutional amendments that will cut through all of the lawfare that would come against a statute, make it an initiative, make it a constitutional amendment, and fundamentally change the system. And then you, can, then you have power. You can go in there with that constitutional amendment and say things like, we're going to make it possible to use, you know, 25,000 square miles of rangeland in California that it's not environment, environmentally sensitive to the point where you have to deny people the ability to build suburbs in every single square mile of that vast amount of territory. Why aren't we letting people build up and down our freeway corridors? Why aren't we building desalination plants and dams? and aquifer storage and runoff capture so we have the enabling infrastructure so they can't say we don't have enough water. Why aren't we talking about abundance and using those kinds of concepts to inform transformative ballot initiatives that are constitutional amendments that will have the power to actually change the rules in California? And that's the kind of thing that politicians need to go to that next step they need to say, we are never going to get anything done in the legislature. So here are the things we want to accomplish. Here's how we're going to accomplish them with ballot initiatives. And here's how it's going to fix California. And that's why voters are going to get excited. They're going to go, wow, if we pass these, if we vote for this, overnight we change the rules. And we have a state where they're not hostile towards business anymore. They're not making it impossible to build houses anymore. They're not letting drug addicts control our streets anymore. They're not letting people indoctrinate our children in the schools to become communists and to hate one another based on their race anymore. We can fix all of this stuff with ballot initiatives, and it doesn't cost a lot of money to create a ballot initiative. You hire an attorney, you do some research. Yeah, you know, they say you have to do polling. I think that's overrated. What you need is vision. You need politicians and a handful of donors who simply look at these issues and go, this is going to fix the state. We'll let the voters decide. It only costs $10,000 to roughly, obviously this varies, to pay an attorney to compose a ballot initiative that will stand up to courtroom challenges and bureaucratic opposition. So why not put 20 of them out there and then let everybody have a look at them as they're being evaluated by the Secretary of State? Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they do that for 2022? We're already running out of time to do that for 2022. Why aren't they doing that every two years? It's so cost effective, and it would be something if you had a, a slate of these initiatives that politicians could look at and say, that's what I'm running on. So all of a sudden you have a synergy between politicians that are looking for their issues and these ballot propositions that could create overnight change and bypass the legislature. This is a formula that can change California, and it's inexplicable that there's not bigger donors looking at this opportunity and doing something about it. Well, yeah, Agnes, jump in here, but um, why aren't you running for governor? Good question. There's good people running for governor. There's a lot of people that would be a good governor. I, I, I would not be a good governor because I, I don't have the experience with the legislature and the experience. Oh, John Cox does. The- Caitlin Jenner does. No, they, uh, John Cox actually is very good on the issues. So I'm not going to say anything bad about John Cox. I think Kevin Falconer is, is a stereotypical politician. I think that his solutions are 
are superficial. Uh, and, and I think by relying on a tax cut, it's like, gee, another repo. Here's what happens with tax cuts. You get debt accumulates faster when Republicans are cutting taxes and taxes go up faster when Democrats are trying to balance budgets by raising taxes. But nobody's talking about what the budget, what should actually be in the budget. Actually, John Cox is trying to do that, and I'll give him credit for that. He's saying, okay, here's where I'm going to cut spending, and here's where I'm going to invest, you know, with water infrastructure, for example. I'm not saying John Cox is a perfect candidate, and I'm not campaigning for John Cox, but I'm not going to put him down either. And I I think he's spent more time on this than I have, so... I'll let John work, worry about trying to become the next governor. <laughs> you have 10 times more vision than I've heard from any California Republican in as long as I can remember. Agnes. No, I just wanted to say I would vote for you. Uh, I would not vote for Kevin Faulkner. Uh, I just received a, a phone uh, questionnaire the other day asking me about different candidates, and I, I said I'm, I haven't made up my mind because there were so many of them already, but I know for sure that Kevin Faulkner would not be one that I would vote for because of his liberal immigration policies. But I do agree uh, you have uh, a tremendous insight on many, many issues that would be very, very important in saving California. But I have a question for you. Do you think it's over for the Republican Party? No, uh, but they need to try something new. And I'm giving them uh, one idea. This is my idea. It's not my, I'm not the only person that has this idea. I mean, a lot of people understand the power of initiatives, but uh, it, for some reason there hasn't been a, you know, here in California, it's the only way we can change things. And it seems to me that there there should be people with greater means that are willing to get behind this, uh, this kind of a strategy. Uh, and if the Republicans are willing to, you know, again, they don't have to divert more than 10% of their resources to put a dozen initiatives on the California ballot. Why they're not willing to do that is inexplicable to me because this would be one way that they could make their party very relevant overnight. Have so they should tr- consider doing it. Have you tried contacting Jessica Patterson and sit down with her and give her these suggestions or it was useless or you never tried? Well, I am talking with people there. I I don't suppose he'd mind if I used his name on the air. Brian Watkins is my friend over there at the uh, state GOP, and I share these uh, ideas with, with them. Uh, you know, they belatedly got involved helping with the recall. It was a controversial you know, it, you can look at this recall in a lot of different ways. I think it's tremendously disruptive. I think the army that's been uh, built uh, as a result of the recall effort is, you know, that comes right back to what we have today is very different than what we had two or four years ago. Two or four years ago, you know, it wasn't a new idea even then to have a slate of initiatives to transform California. But what's new today is we not only uh, are trying to promote the concept of a slate of ballot initiatives to transform the state, but we've got an army of volunteers that's ready and, and able to carry those ballot petitions around for signatures, which will defray millions and millions of dollars of donor uh, support. They got that recall. They got 2.1 million signatures for less than $4 million dollars. That's two dollars a signature that and and they the volunteer part of that effort, the pure volunteer part of that effort was one point three million signatures for and they raised all small donors uh, about nine hundred thousand dollars. That's less than a dollar. What is that? Seventy five cents, 80 cents per signature. That's unheard of. That's that is historic. Nobody has ever come close to an accomplishment like that. And that's what we have right now. That is an opportunity we have right now. And the worst thing that could happen is that the Republican Party, uh, the donors, moderate and conservative and just pragmatic donors that care about this state are going to ignore the opportunity. And if they ignore the opportunity, the only initiatives those people are going to have available are going to, they might not be the right ones. And, and then their energy will be dissipated. And the article that I wrote uh, yesterday ends on a sort of a pessimistic note, 
because that is a very real possibility, and that's tragedy. That that should not be allowed to happen. Give them one, two, three at least to carry around. It wouldn't take more than that to make such an incredible difference in California. Unfortunately, um, I'm a delegate, and... Uh... I, I was very, very shocked as to the state California convention, how corrupt some of the uh, events were, particularly the proxy votes. They made motions and accepted proxies that should have been thrown out uh, because, oh, it was a friend of mine, and I'm really appalled about that. Also, I'm very uh, sick to see uh, Republican parties uh, di- uh, dividing and separating because one wants to be more famous than the other or wants to be in the limelight more than the other instead of all uniting and and having the, the power in numbers to fight for a cause. Everybody's divided. Therefore, nobody has a voice. Well, you know, I would only say that we have to, we can't let this stuff get us down. Uh, we have to remember that we're human uh, and egos and and cowardice uh, crop up just as often as courage and, and vision and probably less often. Part of we're all we're all imperfect and we just have to try anyway. Uh, we have to keep trying uh, because sooner or later the good guys win, and you, you just never want to let go of that. Yeah, maybe the good guys eventually win, but the uh, Communist Party ruled uh, the Soviet Union for 70-plus years, and they're still in power uh, in, in in China. Um, we are, we're, we're past time for our break here. You've stayed with us for a third segment. We, we, we appreciate that, and we, we commend everybody to both the CaliforniaPolicyCenter.org and to read Ed's good work at both American Greatness and at, uh, at California Globe, and look forward to having you back again. And do keep thinking about whether you want to jump into that uh, California governor's race. <laughs> like everyone else is. So why, so, so, but you know, seriously, you have more vision, make more yes. sense than any Republican I've heard in California since my memory runneth not to the contrary, and we appreciate you being on the show and the good work you're doing at California Policy Center. Thank you, Ed. You well, got two you votes much. here. You got two votes here. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. I'll keep plugging. And time for a word from our sponsor, uh, All-Star Collision, a place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, we had a great discussion with Ed Ring in the last three segments. If you missed it, uh, go back and pick it up on, on the podcast. Uh, it's, it has so many good ideas and so much useful information. It was well worth it. Um, Agnes, you were you, some, what you wanted to get to because it really stuck in your craw to see the family of the uh, criminal scumbag. George Floyd. Now, whether he was killed wrongly or rightly, or, you know, whether that was justified or not is beyond the question. No question this guy was a criminal scumbag to see his family being honored at the White, at the White House and practically, I mean, he's, uh, George Floyd's practically been beatified, whereas you as an American citizen, uh, you know, you were, you were a friend, you were a guest of Donald Trump, but you're persona non grata under the Biden administration. Yes, it's incredibly frustrating. And I want to say that I'm really sorry what happened to to him. Uh, But justice has been carried out. It's being carried out and the officer is being charged. Uh, That's not the question. The question is... I don't think justice was carried out, but let's not go go down (laughs) that, that rabbit hole. Okay. What really annoyed me, and I find it incredibly offensive, is that George Floyd's family, this fa- the family of this criminal, he was committing an illegal act, was full of drugs, 
is being uh, sanctified pretty much and being invited into the White House like he is such a victim. He, the guy was a career criminal. He held a gun to a pregnant woman's belly at, at the commission of a robbery. And they get invited to the White House. And that brings me to when a, a bunch of angel moms and dads went to Nancy Pelosi's office trying to talk to her. And I walked out and there were, I think, 16 or 19 Capitol Police standing outside the hallways because we were in Pelosi's office. You have got to be kidding me. Legal law-abiding citizens get the police called on them and a, a criminal's family gets the red carpet rolled out in front of them. This is an insult. Like I said way back in our first segment, um, wives, black, white, or otherwise, matter only when they serve the political interests of the Democrat Party. So George Floyd did, he matters. The people, the 10, 20 people who are killed every weekend in Chicago, most of whom are black, do not. Do not. Very sad. But uh, speaking of Pelosi and, and the Capitol Police, there were further development uh, this week regarding that, regarding uh, the January 6th events. And one of the uh, activists that both you and I know, Art Schapper, mm-hmm. had a visit from the FBI, and uh, he had posted a little video of that. Okay, you're from the FBI. I'd like to yes. see your... Uh... No, we can't let you take copies of that. It's actually illegal. But I am with the FBI. I'm from the Los Angeles office. And okay. my name is Karen Smythe. Okay. And I'm and Greg. I'm uh, Greg Myers. I'm a special agent. Okay, I'm not recording it, but I'd like to see it again. Okay. I'm not recording it, but I want to see it again. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at it. I'm verifying it. Okay, go ahead and put it away, please. Okay. So, we're just here following... Now, you're asking me why again? Why are you here? We're, we're following it from leads from DC. And we were just curious if you went to D.C. or if you knew anybody that had gone to D.C. and if you'd be willing to talk to us about any of that. Okay. Uh, you know what? I did not go to D.C. Okay. and I don't know of anybody who did. Okay. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think this is I think this is an, a massive abuse of power, what you guys are doing. Okay. Cool. This is totally inappropriate. Who lets you in here? This is a gated community. Right. Now, who lets you in here? That's, sir, we're not going to talk to you about that. Um, oh, why not? If you were willing to talk to us, we, we would like to sit down. But if you don't want to, then that's No, I want to have a lawyer with me first before I talk to you. What you guys are doing is absolutely disgusting. Okay. You guys are violating the Constitution of the United States of America. How dare you come in here? And the fact that you won't even tell me why you're here is absolutely disgusting and aberrant. I told you why I'm here, sir. Shame on you. Get out! Okay. Get out! Get out! How dare you? Get out! Art's trying to give his best impression, impersonation of that great Canadian pastor who who threw the uh, health care, uh, quote, Nazis, unquote, as he called them, out of, out of, out of his church. Uh, and he was late, then they later, uh, in a massive show of force, arrested him on the public street outside, okay. outside, outside, outside of his church for daring to hold re- religious services. But, uh, you know, if you want to have a, if you want to have an abortion or something like that, you know, then, you know, that's during COVID. That, that is, of course, okay. Um, you know, you really got. You know, if if you're, you really got to be th- think carefully about whether you want to talk to the FBI, because anything you say or don't say can be used to you that you lied to the FBI, and we saw that. And what they do, they don't re- they don't record their interviews. They don't even take notes during their interviews. They go back to the office and prepare a report summarizing the interview. Of course, it's human memory. It may not be fully accurate, but of course it's open to, they can include things you said that you really didn't, or they can omit things that you uh, did say and you didn't say it. And then later on, if it, anything you said differs from anyone else, they can use that to charge you for lying to the FBI, which is a felony. They can send you uh, to prison for that. And that's what they tried to go after General Flynn for. Um, turned out even, the, even though the FBI agents who interviewed him didn't believe that he that he that he had, he, had, he had lied to them, so you really got to think care very 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 carefully about speaking to uh, to the FBI. I would I would be very reticent uh, for that very reason to do so. They have become the Stasi of as the East German secret police of the Democrat Party, and the, the motto of the Stasi was the sword and shield. And the FBI today is a sword and shield of the Democrat Party, and that is a very dangerous. Development in our in our country. 
Um, there also were some other developments in just in the January 6th narrative. We know now that the, the, the officer who was supposedly killed by the, quote, rioters or insurgents or the insurrectionists was a lie. Was a and lie. And he, he died of, he died, uh, he died of natural causes. Uh, we know now that we see more video came out this past week in which showing the Capitol Police letting people into yeah. the Capitol. And we say, and, and we also know now that the doors to the Capitol have magnetic locks. That means there's no way they can be pulled open from the outside. You put a truck on the door and pull on the handle. The handle's going to rip off, but you can't pull open that door. The doors had to have been opened from the inside. inside. Yes. So in, in my view, and we only have a little time here, this was a Democrat Party Reichstag operation. They had Antifa's leading the way in disguised as, as Trump people. There were Trump people there. The vast majority who went into the Capitol just walked around, took selfies, didn't destroy, any, didn't hurt anyone, didn't damage any property. But yet many of them are being held. And they have been arrested and right. are being prosecuted. And they're being yes. held. They're being held without bail. Without well, bail. you know, if if you loot the Nike, Nike store and say you're with Black Lives Matter, right back no out of the street. No charges. No charges against you. I know a, a friend of mine, uh, he lives up north uh, here in California, that um, had the FBI go to his house, raided, took all his computer, cell phone, everything. And I asked him, I said, well, Eddie, when do you get him back? He goes, I don't know if I will. This is an abuse of power. And you know what? There were so many Democrats that lied, and there was video that they lied, and nothing happens to them. But if you're conservative, you better walk very, very carefully because they'll come after you. Yep. And with that, we're out of time for this week. Thank you, Agnes, uh, for being Thank on the show. You. you were great, as always. And tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. AM 590. The answer.